chapter 3. John chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, your, the fourth gospel. And uh, let, me, let me just say something to you. Um, this is a good crowd, good, good group of folks this morning. It wasn't like this in Sunday school. Sunday school was really, really low this morning. I don't know what it was like uh, next door, but over here it was. And uh, uh, I want to just encourage you to consider, if you are not on a regular basis coming to Sunday school, to come to Sunday school, bring your kids to Sunday school. One of the things that, that uh, I, was, I was taught, and I was telling, telling our Sunday school this the, this morning, and there was a lot of information that I got, and I realized this later in life, but um, a lot of information that I got during the first year that I was saved that really uh, helped me in my Christian life. And it was, it was words of exhortation and encouragement and, and, and just some basic guidelines. And one of them was, every time that there's services, you need to be there. And, uh, and, and there's a reason for that. Not just for you, but for others. The, when, when you're here, you are a blessing to other people. Honestly, even if all you do, and I hope you do more than this, but even if all you do is warm the pad that's underneath your seat in the pew, uh, you know, you are a blessing to others because you're here. You're here. And when, when folks are not here, we miss them. We really do. And, uh, and just the interaction that we can have, the Bible says that one of the purposes of, of getting together is to is in meeting and having church services is to exhort one another and so much the more as you, you see the day approaching. It's not talking about just here. In fact, in that particular passage, not even talking about this. It's talking about speaking among ourselves and just exhorting and encouraging and inciting to, to proper behavior. Uh, one another and just being a blessing to each other. So let me encourage you, if you're, if you're, if you're not normally coming uh, on a regular basis to Sunday school, to Sunday morning, to Sunday night, well, obviously you come Sunday morning, you're here, but Sunday night and then Wednesday night, uh, there's something for us every, every service, and each service is different. One of the things that I, I try to be careful of when I'm inviting folks that have never been to our church before is I've said, you know, we have services on Sunday morning and Sunday night and on Wednesday night. And I said, oh, and by the way, all of them are different because in some churches you go to, uh, they have multiple services, but they're not, all, they're not all different. Some of them are the same. So you might want to make that clear to folks when you, when you uh, give them an invite. John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, we're going to look at verses all the way through the entire chapter th this morning. Um, and, and, but we're going to start with uh, the first five verses. So let's all stand together, if you would. John chapter 3, and beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus by night, and he came to him by night, we, we suppose, because he didn't want the other Pharisees to see that he was having a serious conversation and asking questions of the Lord because the Pharisees and Jesus did not really have a good relationship and get along because much of what he said went against the grain of, of who they were and what they did. But in verse 1 it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know 
that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask God that, that uh, you would guide and direct our hearts and our minds this morning as we look at, at John chapter 3, a very, very important chapter in the Word of God. And not only the beginning part where he talks about being born again, but also at the last half where, where he speaks of the importance of the ministry of John the Baptist. And we, we just ask God that you would, you would speak to our hearts this morning. May the Spirit of God have free rule and reign in this place this morning. May there be uh, nothing that would distract us from the Word of God. I pray, Father, that, uh, that you would help us to keep our minds fixed on you. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your Word and by your Spirit. And as you do, uh, Father, may we respond appropriately to you with any decisions that we need to make, any, any choices that we need to make that would honor and glorify our Savior. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The name of my message this morning is, is uh, a simple summation. And what, what I found that John chapter 3 is, is a, really it's a summation of the Christian life. Uh, it, it's summed up in one chapter. And the, the first part of the chapter, verses 1 through 21, that's when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And what he's speaking about is the new birth. Uh, Nicodemus did not necessarily come with that intention. He did not necessarily come uh, expecting him to speak to him of the new birth, but he went ahead and immediately interjected that into the conversation. And I believe Jesus did that because he knew that was the most important thing for him. The very first part of, of the Christian life is first and foremost salvation, the new birth, uh, knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven knowing for sure that you are a child of God, knowing for sure that uh, if you were to die that you would go to heaven because your sins are all forgiven. And in, in verses 1 through 5, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that the new birth is absolutely necessary. It says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's, he's letting him know that you can't go to heaven unless you've got the new birth. And he likens the new birth unto a physical birth. He says, he's, he talks about the fact that a man is born physically and then a man is also born spiritually. There's a spiritual birth, there's a physical birth. Why did, why did he liken the, the spiritual to the physical? Well, because there's certain elements to a physical birth. A physical birth, a birth happens at a particular time, at a particular place, and it only happens once. One of the, one of the things that I, I find astounding, this man was, was quite 
an educated man Nicodemus was, and yet he asked the question, must he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? What kind of a question is that by, a, by an intelligent individual? Uh, of course, he's not talking about physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth. But just like the physical birth, it happens at a particular time, it happens at a particular place, and it only happens once. Now, uh, there, are, there are things that lead up to the birth, just like a physical birth. You have nine months where, where a woman is with child, and then she gives birth. Well, there are things that God does on a person's heart that prepares them for salvation. I, I have... Uh, learned that uh, not everybody gets saved the same way that I got saved. The very first time I ever heard the plan of salvation, I bowed my head that night and asked Christ to save me. And I, I meant it with all my heart. What the preacher who led me to Christ did not know was that uh, God had been working on my heart and my life ever since my mom passed away when I was, when I was a, a, a boy. I was eight years old. For nine years, God was working on me. And uh, that night, I found the answer. But, but it happened at a particular time in a particular place. Uh, I, can, I can actually take you, well, not to the office, because the office is now gone, but I can take you pretty close to the spot where I was when I, when I bowed my head and, and believed on Christ and trusted him as my personal savior. It, it, uh, it, it is a, it's an event that only has to happen once in a person's life. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to people who, who make comments like, uh, you know, well, have you ever trusted Christ as savior? Oh, I do that every day. You, then you've never really done it because it's a one-time thing where you go from unbelief to belief. You go from condemnation to be accepted as a child of God. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that happens. It happens at a particular time, a particular place. It only happens once. For me, it happened on February 20th, 1969 at 1 o'clock in the morning that when I trusted Christ as Savior. Uh, you know, there's an, there's an old saying, and I, I heard this years ago, and it's, it is so true. It says simply this, if you're only born once, you're going to die twice. Now you say, what does that mean? Born once, die twice. That means if all you have is the physical birth and you do not have the spiritual birth, then when you die physically, you will also die spiritually. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, that, that death, there's two kinds of death in the Bible. There's a physical death that, uh, that when, the, when the body stops and the spirit and the soul depart, but then there's also a spiritual death, and that's when the soul goes to hell for all eternity. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus was speaking about a man who died, and it says right as soon as he died, it says in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Uh, he, was, he was tormented by the flame. When did that happen? It didn't happen after a period of time. It happened instantaneously. As soon as he died, he was in hell. Why? Because if you're only born once, 
you die twice. You die physically, but you also die spiritually for all eternity. And by the way, there is no purgatory, okay? There, there, is, no, uh, there is no coming back as somebody or something else. All of that stuff is myth. All of that, st that stuff is heresy. Uh, it's not true. The Bible says, is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And so uh, when, if, if a person is only born once, they're going to die twice. However, the reverse is also true. Born twice, you only die once. You only have the physical death. You don't ever taste hell. You never, you never experience uh, the spiritual death. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. It talks about their, their, the smoke of their torment uh, ascendeth forever and ever. Why? Because it's never ending. And it's never ending because we have sinned against a holy God. We have sinned against an eternal God. And what that deserves is eternal punishment. The second thing that, that he spoke to him about, look down in verses 6 through 13 when it comes to the second birth. It says, that which is born of the flesh, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said to thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. But if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And of course, he was speaking of himself. Uh, the new birth is a spiritual birth. And, and if you look in verses 5 and 6, in verse 5 he says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He's saying there's got to be two births. There's got to be a water birth and a, and a spirit birth. Uh, there's many folks that will say, yeah, see, that talks about baptism. That's not talking about baptism at all. It's talking about the fact that you are born of water in the physical birth. When my wife had uh, each, of, each of our children, one of the things that, that takes place is, uh, is that the, 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 the water sack that the child is in breaks. And we, we, you know, we say, well, she broke her water. Uh, why, why do we say that? Because that's what kind of a birth it is. It's a physical birth, and it's a water birth that has nothing to do with baptism. But then it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 6 explains verse 5. In verse 5, he says, water and of the spirit. In verse 6, he says, flesh and of the spirit, because the flesh birth is the water birth. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying that uh, they're, they're separate. Just because you were born into a Christian family doesn't mean you're Christian. 
just because you were born into what used to be anyway, a predominantly Christian nation, doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, it's it's a, a, a birth that is necessary in order to put us into Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual birth, and you can do nothing physically to obtain it. You can't do anything physically to obtain it. All you can simply do is believe and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then the third thing that he, that he speaks about is the, the fact in verses 14 through 21 that the new birth is obtained by simply believing on Christ. Uh, look with me in verse, verse 14. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The, the new birth, according to the Lord Jesus, is something that's obtained by faith. And the object of that faith has to be Christ's death. The fact that he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Uh, you need to come to a point in your life where you realize you're a sinner, that you realize that you're on your way to hell, and that the only way that you can go to heaven is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, and he desires to save us. And we just simply need to believe on his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and it's not what we have done for him, but what he has done for us. And what he has done for us is he's died on the cross. He's paid the absolute, complete, full penalty for all of our sins. And we need to trust him and him alone as our Savior. Uh, verse, verse 18 is a sobering verse. It really shows that there, there is either condemned people or uncondemned people, or not condemned people. There's nothing that's in between. Verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. For it, Because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, when I walked into that church building in February, let's see, it wasn't the 20th. I actually walked in on the 19th because it was the end of the day. And uh, I walked in on February 19th. I walked in condemned, but I walked out freed. I walked out forgiven. I walked out uncondemned. And the reason why is I put all my faith and I put all my trust in Jesus Christ and him alone as Savior. I, I prayed a prayer, and the prayer I prayed was something like this, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And because of my sins, I deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. But I'm, I'm trusting Jesus Christ in his shed blood 
and him alone to take me to heaven. I believe Jesus died for my sins according to the scripture, and I believe he rose again according to the scripture. Lord, please forgive me of all of my sin and give me eternal life right now. And when I, when I said that, I've never, I've never said a prayer in my entire life that up, up till that point that I ever meant any more than I meant that prayer. And I meant it with all my heart. And I remember afterwards the preacher looking at me in the, in the face as well as the other fellows that were with me and said, uh, guys, if you were to die right now, based upon what you just asked God to do for you, based upon what you believe, not just saying the prayer, but believing it in your heart, if you were to die today, where would you go? For the first time in my entire life, I was able to say heaven and know it and be assured of it because, because I had received eternal life. Uh, lack of belief is, is, uh, is condemnation. Uh, I had a lack of belief when I walked in, but when I walked out, I had trusted in Christ and him alone as Savior. So the, 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 first, the first part of the simplified uh, summation of the Christian life is you've got to be born again. Like Jesus said, you must be born again. You have to have that new birth. You have to have salvation. Then the second part of the Christian life, uh, keep your finger here and go with me, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, there's two verses there that are especially dear to my heart because they were the verses that God used to push me over, over the edge. Uh, I, for years, uh, believed that you had to be a good person to go to heaven. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. That's all there is to it. Well, the truth of the matter is uh, that is not the criteria that God uses. Uh, and God makes it very plain and very clear what his criteria is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath uh, before ordained that we should walk in them. In verses 8 and 9, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You can't do anything to get salvation because if you did anything, then it would no longer be a gift. It would be a wage. And the Bible says there are wages, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we need to understand that, that difference. But then... The next verse, verse, verse uh, 10, is a verse that's oftentimes neglected when we read through this passage. And yet it's a very, very important verse because it says, after a person gets saved, for we are his workmanship, once you're saved, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so, yes, salvation is the first part of and the absolute essential part of the Christian life. But then the second part is service, is service. And um, in John chapter 3, verses 22 down through 36, 
we find that, that uh, John the Baptist enters the picture. And John the Baptist is serving God. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the one who paved the way and got Israel ready for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. And, and uh, uh, in those verses, he talks about his relationship to Christ and what his relationship is relates to his service. In other words, the reason why he was doing what he was doing and the reason why he was living the way he was living and the reason why he was serving God with all of his heart was because of a relationship and a, 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 an attitude that he had toward his Savior. And there are, there are three distinct principles that he brings out. We're not going to read the whole passage, but we're going to, we're going to read what these three principles were. And, and beginning, if you would, with me in verse 27. Verse 27, it says, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. When it comes to serving God, one of the things you got to understand is that uh, all that you have, you got from God. Uh, you have nothing of yourself. Uh, you, know, you know what a braggart really is? A braggart is a fool because he is bragging about something that, that uh, was given to him, made possible for him because everything that I have comes from God. Uh, whether it be, and, and again, this is our categorization, but whether it be the, the good stuff or the what we would call the bad stuff or the rough stuff or the hard stuff to endure makes no difference. It's all from God. Our, uh, whatever ministry that we have, whatever talent we have, whatever ability we have, uh, it's all from God. Uh, any opportunities that you get, any influence that you have. You can't take credit for any of that stuff. Because, you know, have you ever thought of this? Why in the world were you born an American? Why weren't you born in Africa? Why weren't you born in communist China? Why weren't you born in, uh, in uh, a communist Russia? Well, because that's where God put you. And, and that's where God put people that are in Russia and China and Africa and any other country that you want to, want to main, name or mention. Uh, the truth of the matter is, whatever we have, we have because of God. And that's, that's a good place to start, just to understand that, that we, we are what we are. Like the Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, you know, this is the reason why anytime you get any praise for anything that you have done, deflect it. And first and foremost, deflect it to God. Because if you've accomplished anything, you've accomplished it because of the Lord. And, and John the Baptist understood that. He understood that anything that he was able to do. And by the way, uh, John the Baptist is, is not uh, a, 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 a poor choice to pattern your Christian life after. Because Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So he was doing something right. Amen. When it came to his service for God, he had the right perspective, and the first perspective he has 
he had was everything that I have comes from God. The second perspective that he had was for, and it caused him to serve the Lord, uh, is found down in verse 30. Verse 30. And if you underline verses in your Bible, let me encourage you to underline or highlight or whatever you do. Uh, verse 30, because it's a, it's a short verse. It's an easy one to, to remember, to memorize, but man, it's a powerful verse. He just simply said this, he must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, what, what he's saying is, is that I need to make a big deal about Jesus, and I need to diminish any deal about me. I need to decrease but he needs to increase. Uh, determine what's, what's important in your life and, and, and understand that you aren't all that important. And I, I don't say that to, to demean anybody here this morning, but God's important, we aren't. Uh, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about him. And he's the one that needs to get the preeminence and he's the one that needs to get the glory. It's his will, it's his desires, it's his pleasures that, that ought to matter in our life. There is, a, there is a, a philosophy, and I'll call it a philosophy because that's really what it is. Uh, it's, not, it's not biblical. It's, there's a philosophy running around that God just wants to make you happy. And the, the whole idea behind it, if you really follow it all the way through, is that is that uh, uh, that's that's God's uh, you know goal in your life is to to make you happy? No 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 no. Our our goal in our life is to make God happy. <laughs> it's to put a smile on God's face. It's to bring and can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? If you live like that, you will stumble across happiness, you will stumble across joy over and over and over again. But if you go out to pursue fun, you go out to pursue happiness, you go out to pursue joy, you're going to be sadly disappointed. You'll be sadly disappointed. The way that we, we get joy in our lives is by allowing him to increase and us to decrease. Um, take your, keep your finger here, but go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Back up in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And I don't know that John the Baptist ever heard Jesus say this. because their ministries were, were somewhat separated. <clears throat> John the Baptist was in the forefront until Jesus started his ministry, and then when Jesus started his ministry, um, John the Baptist's ministry started to go out of the limelight, and the limelight, the spotlight went on Jesus Christ. But, but he lived what Jesus said was necessary for us to live and was necessary for us to do in order to, to follow him. If you look with me in Luke chapter 9 and look down in verse uh, 23 with me, if you would. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to them all, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, you look at that and you say, whoa, that, that sounds like rough stuff. Uh, deny yourself, tell yourself no, uh, pick up your cross, whatever that might be, uh, the difficult things in life, and follow Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Everybody that I have ever met and all of the disciples that did that died happy people. <laughs> they, they, they died because, uh, in, in such a state of joy because while they were denying themselves and picking up their cross and following him, they found joy, they found peace, they found happiness in Jesus Christ. Making Christ first and foremost and taking the back seat to the Savior is, is the way to service for God and the way to happiness uh, in, in the Christian life. And then the, the, last, the last principle that uh, John the Baptist gave uh, that, that uh, showed his attitude that caused him to serve the Lord with all of his heart is found down in verse 31. John chapter 3 and verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthy and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Now, he's not just talking positionally there. He's talking about it in his personal life. In other words, there is nothing more important to John the Baptist than Jesus Christ. There was nothing more important to John the Baptist than serving him. And uh, uh, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, for me to live is Christ. He said, my, my, my very life is wrapped up in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. What, what John did was he made Christ a priority uh, of everything in his life. Uh, he, he became his authority uh, Christ became his importance, and it was Christ's will that was important to him, not his own will. If, if Christ is really above all, then he has total rights to everything that you have. He has total rights to everything that you do. He has total rights to, to really all that you are. Um, take your Bibles, again, keep your finger here, but go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, Old Testament. And in Isaiah 53, I want you to look at verses 6 through 10 with me. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 6 through 10. And this, Isaiah 53 there's a passage of scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch in, in Acts chapter 8 was reading. He had gotten a portion of scripture. He got that, portion, that scripture portion from Jerusalem. He was heading back to Ethiopia and he was reading it. And that's when, when uh, uh, he, was, he was confronted uh, about the, the gospel. And he, and he asked the man that, that came to his chariot, he says, he says Who's, uh, who is this being spoken of is is it himself or someone else 
and, and he, the man began to, to preach unto him the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look with me in verses uh, 6 through 10, in verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the, the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now I want you to really pay attention to verse 10. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord, that's the Father, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, Jesus Christ. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now, Jesus Christ was, was made an offering for our sin. In other words, he was the total payment for our sin. But it says that it pleased the Father to bruise him. Why? Well, because that was part of the plan of redemption. Someone had to pay for your sin. Someone had to pay for my sin. And so he was pleased that the payment was made. It's not, it's not like he's, he's sitting there laughing because Jesus Christ is bearing the, the, the sins of the whole world on that cross. That's not it at all. He was, he was pleased simply because the plan had come to fruition and the, the payment was being made for the sins of all mankind. And if it, if it pleased the Lord for Jesus Christ to go through something like that, as, as, as hard and as difficult as that is, then we ought to be willing to go through whatever it is that God would have us to go through so that we can please him, so that we can fulfill his will, so that we can, we can honor and glorify Christ in our lives. And that, those were the things that caused uh, John the Baptist to, 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 to live his life totally for the Lord. Um, if, if, if Christ is above all, then his will and his desires and his pleasure should be followed rather than my own. And, and really, if you look at, at the first part of John 3 and you look at the last part of John 3, that's really the Christian life in summary. First of all, we have to be saved. We have to have that new birth. You know, let, let, me, let me ask you, are you absolutely positive this morning that if you were to die, that you go to heaven? Do you know that if, if you had a heart attack, and Lord forbid that that would happen, when so far I've never had that happen in a church service I've been in. I've heard of people that, where, that's, where that's taken place. Uh, but if you had a heart attack... And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord from the standpoint of, of you, you know, is pointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, and you're dead. 
Are you absolutely confident where you sit right now that you will be, that you are forgiven, that you will be in the presence of God? You will not be in hell for all eternity. Do you know that for sure? And then secondly, if you do know that for sure, are you serving him? Are you serving him? Uh, do you understand that everything that you have comes from him? Do you, uh, do you realize that he's got to increase in your life and get greater and greater and greater and more and more important, and you need to be less and less important? And is he above all? If he is, you're going to serve him. And if he isn't, you won't. Are you serving him? Are you submitted to him? In, in closing, uh, let me just take you to another passage of Scripture, which is another one of these passages, and this one's even shorter than John chapter 3, that really summarizes the whole Christian life, beginning with the new birth and then ending with serving him. Uh, go with me to Romans chapter 5, and we'll close with this. Romans chapter 5. And in Romans 5, look at me in the first five verses. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? You know what that is? That's the new birth. That's the new birth. When you trust Christ as Savior, you get peace with God. Before that, you're at enmity with God. But you get peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Verse 2 by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. When you get saved, everything doesn't just turn to roses and everything, everything is taken care of. No, there's trouble, there's difficulty, but God gives you the grace to handle it and God teaches you some things as you go, as you go through it. Uh, it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. First of all, are you saved? Second of all, if you are saved... Are you serving him? And when I say serving him, I mean, I mean not just doing something for him, but understanding that everything that you have comes from him, understanding that you've increased, he's got to increase. And then secondly, that his will is preeminent above anything in your life. For me to live is Christ. Christian, can you say that and mean that with all your heart like the Apostle Paul? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask God that, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. First of all, if there's anyone here or within the sound of my voice that does not know for sure that their sins are forgiven, has never experience that new birth. Lord, in all honesty, they're sitting in condemnation because he that believeth not is condemned already. 
They have not taken that step where they put all their faith and all their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation. And then, Lord, for those that are saved, I pray, Father, that we be serving you, and we be serving you for the right reason, not just in service for you. We can point to one or two things that we're doing to serve God, but really have that attitude for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, the older I get, Lord, the more I realize that death is really not my enemy. Death's my friend. And someday, through the portal of death, I'll go into eternity. And I'm getting closer to that day. All of us are getting closer to that day with every breath that we take. But Father, can we honestly say before you this morning, for me to live is Christ. Speak to our hearts this morning, saved and lost alike, and may decisions be made that will bring honor and glory to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.